Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas to everyone here, everybody who's down there in the theater, everyone who's listening and watching online. We are united in our hearts. Come to celebrate Christmas. And this is a very good thing to do. Uh, this year at Jacob's Well, we've been working hard on this thing of the inner life, this thing of, of paying attention to what's going on inside and meeting God in a place where we can pay attention to what we've been feeling. And particularly at Christmas, we've been doing this work on Christmas Rethink. We've been talking about paying attention to what we're thinking about, how we're thinking, and where we're getting our thoughts. And whether or not our thoughts are oppressive or whether or not they're, they're thoughts that are life-giving and joyful and focusing. Well, well, tonight I want to talk about an aspect of our thought life that could not be more appropriate to talk about on Christmas Eve, and it has to do with meaning. It has to do with meaning. I really believe that if our mind does not have clarity about what is meaningful, what should we value, what should we go after, then we very quickly will lose motivation, we will become aimless. It can actually even lead to despair to the point that there are many people, it's a very common thing in our culture today, that, that ask, is there anything that is truly meaningful? Well, well, this Christmas, what I want you to see is that in the birth of Christ, we see a stunning example of the kinds of things we should focus on, the kinds of things that we should value that would fill our life with meaning. And, and one of the ways that we can do this is by paying attention to what was before what we have now was. Didn't say that very well. Let me try again. We're going to pay attention to the way things were before Jesus actually showed up. Because here's just a hard truth that just a, a simple study of history will show you. Jesus stepped into a world that was hard and cold and cruel. And this is the way it has been throughout human history, but especially in ancient history. In ancient history, there were things that were valued that because Jesus came, we value completely other things. And because many of these things have so permeated our culture, so permeated our way of thinking, and actually is shaping the way the whole world thinks, we don't realize how much has changed because of the truth that Jesus brought. So, so let me just give you an example. In the, in the Roman world, in the ancient world, and this was true of, of most ancient empires, people valued things like power. That is to say, it was good that just a few people had power, and they should use that power. It's actually not only okay, it's good, it's appropriate, and it's valuable for them to use that power to rule the weak. And the weak are meant to prop up the, the powerful. And so to have power was a sign of God's favor. This was really hard. It was a really good thing if you were tended to be a male who was in power. But, but the truth is, if you were a, a person who was weak, it's because you should be weak. If, if you were a woman, for for instance, in the Roman world, women were, were actually less than property, had almost no rights, and were horribly oppressed. Children were considered disposable. It's hard for us to even think about that in our modern way of thinking, but, but children were just not valued until Jesus taught us to say, let the children come unto me. Racism was just assumed. That is to say, people were broken up into class, they were broken up into the races, and people of foreigners or other tribes, they were other, and we we are the, the, the ones that we should take care of. And so we, we go to war against them. It's amazing how many ancient people called their enemies barbarians and then their enemies called them barbarians. That was just the way it was because power 
was meaningful. The other thing that was often very considered very meaningful was wealth. That is to say, if you could acquire lands and buildings and gold and jewels and all the things, that was a sign that you were significant, that you mattered, that, that that's what really mattered. And, and that not only was just something that, that, that people accepted, it was something that people spoke about, the gods blessed with Wealth. Now, the third thing was achievement. If you could create something or build something or craft something, great architecture or great art or great whatever, that's what would make life meaningful. And, and it worked really well for a very small group of people, but for the most of people, most people, it was a very dark, very oppressive, very difficult time. It was because this was very often people's view of God. So if you look at what the perception of gods were, like in the Roman world, the gods were, were cruel. They were like actually really poor, poorly behaved juveniles. They were always fighting each other and they were lying and they were deceiving. And the, the best you could hope for is that they wouldn't notice you. They wouldn't come and, and get you. They were, they were takers. They were abusers. And, and they would never serve the people who worship them. And, and even to love the people. They might love a few in a manipulative way. But to the understanding of loving the, the gods would love us was actually a foreign concept, a, a, a strange concept in the ancient world. This is the world that Jesus Christ was born into, this cold world. And again, we say it all the time at Christmas, but it's stunningly profound. He didn't step into this world as a king of privilege. He stepped in a very different way. Now, there's a passage of Scripture that captures this beautifully, theologically, wonderfully. And it's in John chapter one. This is what it says. It says, in the beginning was the word. And the word is kind of a code name for Jesus. It's as if God were saying, you want to know what I'm really like? Well, let me send you this word. Let me send you this description. And the description is Jesus. This is what God wants us to understand he's like. This is what God wants us to understand is significant. This is what's meaningful. Who my son is, how he lived, and how different he is than any conception of what the world had valued or saw important. He says the word was with God, and so he was with God. They would have understood that. And he was God. Now, there had been other stories of like Greek gods taking on the human form and coming around to actually manipulate and abuse people and, 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 and victimize women and all kinds of things in the Greek God. But Jesus was going to come in human form for a radically different purpose. Now, now here's what the next verse says. It says, he was with God in the beginning. It says he was, he was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that had been made. So this is the creator God. And, and one of the things that's unique about the Christian and Jewish understanding of God is that when he made the world and the material universe and with people, he said it was good. And he said people were good. And then he made people in the image of God. And therefore, every single person has inherent worth, has inherent value. Nothing could have been further from the understanding and the belief in the Roman world than that. There were some people who were favored by the gods. There were other people cursed by the gods. There were some people loved, uh, who, who were powerful. And, and they, their job was to rule the weak. For Jesus to come and say something different, was radical in the extreme. He goes on in John. He says, in Jesus was life, and that life was the light of men. And so Jesus came to bring light. And, and light is a metaphor for understanding, for wisdom, for helping us see what is meaningful. And that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not under, overcome it. It didn't then, 
It isn't now, and I'll show you in a minute, it still hasn't today. The truth of Jesus and what he taught and what his example teaches us still has power today to inform us what's meaningful. Watch this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That should blow our mind. That the eternal God, because Jesus lived in this eternal love relationship between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he actually became one of us and he dwelt among us. And again, he didn't come with power and prestige. He entered into poverty. He entered into oppression. He entered into unjust treatment. He became an immigrant having to run from his country and live in a, a strange land. Jesus not only had sympathy on people who were weak, not only had sympathy on people who were oppressed, he joined himself with that. And, and, and he entered into the poverty of humanity. And again, we've heard this so many times, but when we understand that to the Roman world, the idea of a God doing that would have been shocking. It would have been scandalous. It would have been horrifying. In fact, it would have made the average Roman mad. Said, I would ne- they would, just would have said, I would never worship a God that weak. But Jesus came and showed us what real strength, real meaning looked like. So again, he, he, the word became flesh, dwelt among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the Son from the Father. Look at this, full of grace and truth. So Jesus came with two things. First, grace. Grace is God giving us what we need, not what we deserve. And that's what the cross is all about. That Jesus paid for our sins. He gives us mercy. He's patient with us. He gives us grace. But he also gives us truth. And the truth of Jesus, by what he taught, how he lived, his example in his death, shows us what is that which we should value. What is that which matters? What is that that we should say that? is meaningful. So, so this is Jesus. It says, um, for from him, his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. And, and so what we see in Jesus is this incredible example of bringing truth. Now, let, let me illustrate this for you. When Jesus says that Jesus came and he spoke truth, think about these truths in light of the Roman world, which was all about power and dominance. Jesus came and he said things like this. He said, Greatness is not in power, it's in service. He said, whoever wants to be great will serve others. He, he, he did not come to take the life of people or demand life from them. He came to give his life. He said, the meek will inherit the earth. So what are the meek? Those are people who have power, who don't use it to prop up and serve themselves. They use their power, their gifts and talents to serve others. Jesus was never weak, but he was meek. He said, blessed are the poor because theirs is the kingdom of God. He, he said, if you have an enemy, turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, pray for and bless your enemies. It says in Christ, this is what the apostle Paul said. And, and I can't tell you how radical this would have been. He would have said in Christ, there's neither slave nor free. There's neither Jew or Gentile. There's neither male nor female. He says, all of us are one in Christ. And so he made everybody from the highest position to the lowest position, brothers and sisters. He made us all equal. And again, we just take that for granted. That idea is radical. It is revolutionary. And it comes back to Jesus. We become so familiar with this message 
that we don't realize how radical it actually has become. Let me just illustrate this through the story that we celebrate this Christmas. It says this in Luke chapter two. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And so Caesar is a king. He has power. He's using that power to oppress people, to make them uproot their lives and to travel. It's oppressive. It's about taxation. It's about control and people have to obey. This was the first registration when Quinarius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered to their own town. And so apparently this was the first registration. So this kind of oppression happened a lot. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary and his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to give birth. And we know the story. No room in the inn, born in a stable, put in a feed trough, you know, that, that, that the only people to, gather, to, to celebrate his birth were shepherds that night. And, and what we see is Jesus entering in to the poverty, entering into the injustice. We know that there's going to be a time where that evil king is going to try to kill Jesus, so he has to flee to Egypt, and then he lives as an immigrant. And, and so every time we now see those who are poor, those who are disenfranchised, those who are, are immigrants, we need to see Jesus in disguise. See, he shows us what is meaningful, service, love. It says she wrapped her baby, her firstborn, in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. What this tells us is that through the example of Jesus, we see that God, who is everything, became nothing. Philippians say, says, he who in very nature was God did not consider equality with God, his right to be equal with God, something to be grasped or held onto, but instead made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, becoming obedient even to death not taking life, but giving his life, even to death on a cross. Therefore, God has exalted Jesus. God has said, this is what is important. This is what you should value. This is what is meaningful. Exalted Jesus above every other name. And because of that, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is the greatest. Jesus is the Lord. So he became enfleshed. He stepped into our injustice, poverty. He united himself with that. He came through the courage of a young woman, Mary. He again became a stranger and an immigrant. He did not seek revenge on his enemy, but he prayed for them and he blessed them. He did not come demanding, but giving. And again, he was the giver of life. This is what is most meaningful. And, and it's so hard, if you haven't studied history, to appreciate how different it is now because of what happened then. How the values of Jesus have permeated our culture, even for those who don't acknowledge the name of Christ. The, the truth of Jesus, the superiority of Jesus' ethic rules the world. The darkness has not overcome it. Let me just illustrate it from just a, a little story I can imagine from the first century after Jesus. Jesus has come, he's lived, he's died, and now there's a Roman, Roman official. And this Roman official had been a soldier, so he had fought in Caesar's war, and now he's retired, and he's very wealthy, and he has land, he has many slaves, and a wife, and a family. And what ends up happening is that he starts being exposed to Christianity. And because he becomes exposed to Christianity, he reads the letters of the Apostle Paul, and he realizes what Christ has done for him, and he becomes a follower of Jesus Christ. And the more he 
reads about Jesus in the gospel, and the more he reads the letters of the Apostle Paul, the more he realizes that everything has to change. For instance, before he knew Christ, he had a wife, and she was required to be faithful to him, but he could have relations with whoever he wanted. He could go to the temple, to the temple prostitutes, or he could abuse any of his slaves. But now he hears the Apostle Paul says, you should be the husband of one wife, and you should be faithful And so that has to change. Not only that, he has to exalt his wife, to be equal with him, to love her as Christ loved the church. And it radically changes fundamentally the way he looks at women. He reads in the Apostle Paul that there's no longer any woman, male or female, uh, slave or free, Jew or Greek. We are all one in Christ. And now when he goes out and he sees his slaves, slaves that he used to abuse, he used to be, uh, beat, who he used to sell, he recognized that many of them have become crawlers of Christ. And now they are brothers and sisters in Christ. And how can I victimize them if I'm serious about my love for Christ. He recognizes that the poor in his community, that as a good Roman, he used to hold in contempt, now are opportunities for him to use his resources to bless them and to help them, and he becomes a benefactor to many in the community. Before, when foreigners or strangers would come to his town or come to his door, he would, he would threaten them and push them away. But now he sees that God invited him in when he was a foreigner and he was a stranger and welcomed him into his family, and he becomes a person of hospitality. He also also sees that his wealth is not a sign of his accomplishment and his status, but rather it is a trust and a responsibility that he is called to use what he has to serve the common good, the people who work for him and he's responsible for. He has a totally different perspective about the responsibility. He understands now his position and his power is an opportunity to be a servant, to give those to those who he has authority over, not to rule over them, but to serve them. All of this would have been complete nonsense to the average Roman, but the truth of Christ came in and it changed everything. And so many of these values, the equality, the fairness, the justice that we take for granted, that came with the birth of Jesus. And it was nonsense in the ancient world. And now it's come with our Lord and Savior. So this Christmas, when we think about what is meaningful, when we think about what is significant, when we think about what we should value, we need to understand this, that what we value will determine whether or not we have a meaningful life. So if we value, you know, power and comfort and, 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 and wealth and, and our own personal accomplishments, even if we do a lot of stuff and by the world standards look successful, at the end of the day, we will not find meaning. But when we understand the joy of the things Jesus taught us was important. When he'd understand that greatness is found through service, that any position or authority or power or wealth we have can be used for the common good to serve one another. When we understand that God sent his son Jesus from heaven so that we could have a relationship with him, so relationship must be pretty important, so to invest in relationship matters, then all of a sudden we find the things we can focus our life on and build our life on, and when we can do that, then all of a sudden we start finding meaning, and meaning becomes the fruit of that incredible experience. All this we get through the birth of Christ, through the example of Jesus Christ. That's where we celebrate Christmas. We have this incredible understanding, belief, revelation from God as Christians at Christmas that God so loved the world 
that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And, and, and it just is so, so familiar and comfortable with us. We don't recognize how that has, is, and will continue to change the world. The darkness will come against it, but the darkness will not overcome it. Overcome it. So let's pray together. Father, this Christmas season, as we think about the birth of Christ, help us just see more than just the story about angels and shepherds. Help us to actually see the message of the word of God to us. That what matters, what is meaningful in this life is not the thing that, that, that the world believes. It's not power and wealth and position and image or all those things. But there's an opportunity to discover meaning through service, through sacrifice, through love. And we see it all in the example of Christ. Help us to see that when we love those who are less fortunate than us, who are different than us, we are, we are, in, we are incarnately living the values of Jesus. And this fills our life with meaning. Help us to see that the greatest thing that can be said of us, the greatest thing that can be said of us is that we are people of love. We are people who are known by our love. So this Christmas, Lord God, help us to take in this miracle of incarnation, the coming of the word of God, deeper and more profoundly than we ever have before. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.